This is the Alchemize Your Life podcast. On today's episode, we get deep into our own triggers and shadow boxing and decompose exactly how we get into fights and what we're doing about that. Also, pointing towards a major shadow that is keeping spiritual people trapped. Hi, I'm Sian Kenshin. And I'm Sophie Ma. And we're here to alchemize your life. In this podcast, we show you how to apply the principles of spirituality, prosperity, and sexuality to create true and lasting transformations in your life and business. Join us at the Prism Institute of Quantum Alchemy as we explore the ancient, esoteric teachings of Buddhism, Tantra, Hermetics, and more. As we weave these primal energies together within ourselves, we repair the fractured consciousness of humanity itself. Join us in liberating the world and realizing that the gold is in you. So there's a big problem in spiritual um, practices and uh, lineages and traditions today. Only one? Well, there's one big one. Only one? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to talk about one. We're going to keep this podcast to one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it has to do with this idea of transcendence and disassociate. Hmm. Can you unpack that a little bit? Tra what do you mean by transcendence? What do you mean by disassociate? So a lot of meditative, not contemplative, but like a lot of practices that people do and people like that they follow focus on pure meditation, mm -hmm. right? And in meditation, especially something like Vipassana, the goal is to disassociate from all your thoughts, all your feelings, all your emotions, anything that arises, disassociate, objectify. Mm -hmm. And this applies as well for the concentration meditation that we mentioned a Absolutely. couple podcast episodes ago. Absolutely. Yeah. And without the proper framing, that can actually lead to a certain level of pathology that appears to be rampant in Western meditative traditions. So we're saying this leads to bad stuff. It leads to bad stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, and we've we've seen this this example in um some even some of our mentors. I won't mention at the, at this point because you know I don't want to uh, talk about their stuff in that way. But they focus purely on the technology of meditation and the technology of enlightenment without a grounding in uh how do we view these things that are happening to us, mm -hmm. right? How do we, like, when we disassociate from our thoughts, feelings, and emotions, what do we do with that? Mm -hmm. How do we change the relationship? Yeah, as opposed to just stepping away and becoming, like, almost in our own little cave, our own internal cave. Well, yeah, and, and as, you know, we were... Um, we were looking at some of Ken Wilber's stuff. He did a really great piece on... Um, integral spirituality where he talks about the shadows that can come up in spiritual technologies because mm, there's shadows everywhere you guys if you think that you're spiritual and therefore you don't have shadows that's one of your shadows yeah yeah i, w I won't even talk about the shadow work that people um supposedly engage in that's one of the other things that's, <laughs> that's not that's, part of this that's, podcast that's one future of the, episode that's one of the big shadows <laughs> in in any case um 
So, so what we're talking about is disassociation, but it's not disownership, right? That's kind of the subtlety mm-hmm. uh, that a lot of pe- that gets lost on a lot of people, right? It's like that leads you towards nihilism. Mm. And I actually have a problem with the way Ken Wilber um, positioned this in Buddhism. He he actually said that Buddhism doesn't address this disassociation versus disownership. So can we just unpack what that exactly means before? Like, what do you mean by disownership? What do you mean? Like, you kind of went okay. into disassociation, but let's yeah. go a little deeper into that before what, we go into not disagreeing with Ken disagreeing Wilber. Disagreeing with Ken Wilber. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> um, so, so, like, disassociation is is a it's a way of objectifying the self, mm-hmm. right? So w- who and what I previously thought I was, my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions, or certain facets of those, I can now witness in front of me as an object and know, oh, those aren't me. Yeah. So to give you an example here, if we're experiencing something like anger, instead of most people saying, I am angry, which means the anger is you, right? You are literally anger. The the phrasing would be, there is anger, right? So mm-hmm. I am not anger, but there is anger. Anger is here. So that's that's the disasso- disassociation, but there's there's a subtlety to that. There's two forms of it, mm-hmm. and um, Ken does a good job talking about there's there's a, there's a healthy form and there's a pathological form mm-hmm. or or an unhealthy one. Mm-hmm. And in the healthy form, um, there's a bit of ownership as to what is arising. It's not the I, it's because I am witnessing it, I am seeing it, Mm -hmm. but it is part of me. So there's this idea of an I and an idea of me, right? I am not my hand, but very clearly my hand is part of me, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I don't have total control over my hand, Mm-hmm. It is very clearly part of me, though. I own it. So if my hand touches somebody inappropriately, <laughs> I I own that, even though I may not have done it consciously. Right. Right. <laughs> right? Still, that, that was me. Mm-hmm. I, I can see that in the physical realm. I can see and take ownership over that, even though I have no idea how it happened. Mm-hmm. Where we get lost is in the subtle realm in the phenomena that arises inside our mind. And ownership of that is so slippery, especially once you like introduce things like transpersonal, psychic powers, like I can feel your feelings, all this, all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden the stuff that's arising inside your head, you have you have kind of an outlet to say, oh, that's not mine. Mm-hmm. And that's where the pathology lies. And we see that like all the time in spiritual communities. And it's something we'll explain a little bit later in this podcast that I've been journeying as well, that when we get into this, you know, this idea of empaths and this idea of highly sensitive and psychic, and it's like almost every woman I know that's in the spiritual community has been told at some point or another, oh, you're highly sensitive, whether that comes from human design or or wherever the case might be. And you just feel other people so clearly. And this creates a lack of boundary between like, what is mine and what is theirs? Mm -hmm. And am I actually feeling my own thing? Or am I feeling somebody else's thing? And that gets extra slippery in these types of situations. And that leads to a lack of ownership. 
Mm-hmm. And that gives the shadow a wonderful place to play. Because it becomes very easy to say, oh, well, everything I'm feeling belongs to somebody I else. Can, I can disown so that this is no longer disassociate. So now I've objectified, but I've disowned. And mm-hmm. so now it's no longer me. It's outside the boundary and it becomes it mm-hmm. or them, right? Or other. Other. So it's it's outside that boundary. So there's me and there's I in the center of it all. And then on the other side of the boundary of me is it or them or they. So to like transmit this image to you, since you can't see what we're physically doing right now, if you wanted to visualize like I as or as the like physical body. It's the core of, of who you are. And then if you go like, this is not a scientific number. This is just for visualization purposes. But if you put your hands like a foot out in front of you, this is the boundary of me, right? My hands, my body, me, but not I. And then you go, everything beyond that is like external, is like other. So it's like you have this like invisible mental boundary mm-hmm. that is decides what is my shit versus what is environmental shit. And, and that's the boundary if it becomes too slippery because we're starting to dabble in transpersonal and psychic powers and or all like this permeable. stuff. It becomes so permeable that you kind of lose a view of where that boundary really is. Or if it even exists. And a lot of people don't even pay attention to its existence at all, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, and we'll, we'll get into like how that boundary actually can move. Mm-hmm. In uh, in a little bit, but I, I think maybe we can use some like concrete examples for people here. Yep. Uh, how this shows up for us, right? Like, yep. like so. Guys, so this, we're go- about to get really, really uh, personal here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like full full disclosure here. It's a little uncomfortable, um, because we're talking about our own shadows, right? Like the the real problem with um, belief in your own psychic powers is that the shadow can take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to explain how that can happen. Okay, so when you have started working on yourself, at some point, you've had a major shift. The old asshole appears to have died. And what's happened is that old asshole has not died. That old asshole was your previous self. It had become objectified. But in many cases, because it was an asshole, it was pushed away mm-hmm. and it became an it mm-hmm. and it became repressed. So in my case, I had a, I mean, I was really good at business. You and still I, are. Yeah, just in a different way. (laughs) Um, I was really good at business and getting things done. And the way that I thought that had to be done, the way that I had been taught that that had to be done was evidenced by the types of books I read. You know, I read things like The Art of War, Mm -hmm. Machiavelli's, um, um, I can't remember what it's called. It's called like The Country or something something like that. And there's that book about power too, right? Yeah, and then the 48 Laws of Power. Right. Which are all like really powerful technologies. But they they rely on manipulation and criticism, mm-hmm. right? They, they rely on um, d- basically divide and conquer. Like if, if you look at what politicians do, that's what these books teach you, mm-hmm. right? Is, is how to control a population of people. 
And it's not necessarily the best way. It's like, it's not the inspirational way of controlling. It's the, it's the authoritarian way of controlling, right? And so there's, there's criticism, there's manipulation, there's fear, coercion, coercion, right? Yeah. So I was like, unconsciously really good at these things. Mm. And when I uh, started working on the path, all of a sudden it didn't seem like I needed to do those anymore. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden that old asshole died and I became a really happy person. And then I could inspire people through happiness and through that, that other sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. like I thought all of that went away, mm. right? But in fact, what happened was I pushed it away mm-hmm. subconsciously because it was creating pain for me. I disowned it. And it became an it, a fragmented piece of my consciousness. How does that show up now? Now, this is this is the important part, guys. Yeah, and it's important to recognize, like, when you push it away, it doesn't actually go away. That version of you doesn't disappear. It just hides out in the shadows, in your own shadows of your subconscious it mind. It is your shadow. Yeah, yeah. it's just there, right? Yeah. And the problem is you can't see it anymore. You can't see, well, actually... That you see it everywhere, but you've so expertly disowned it that you don't think it's you. That's what I mean. Yeah. You don't <laughs> so see it which, in you. Which means you can't see it. Exactly. Right? So so like Ken talks about this and he says it's like it's it's called shadow boxing is when you've pushed it away and it's outside the boundary of me. Basically what happens is it gets triggered, i.e. you have a trigger now. Mm-hmm. It gets triggered. But then because you've disowned it, it gets painted on whatever object in your con- is in your consciousness as most likely to have created the trigger. Mm-hmm. So for me, whenever somebody Sophie gives me feedback of a certain type. Whenever Sophie gives him feedback of a certain type. <laughs> I thought you were going to say any type and I was going to smack you. <laughs> no, I didn't need to be that. It's, of it's any the, type. Yeah. Um, the That triggers this shadow. Mm-hmm. Right? And what, and what happens is this shadow basically reminds me of coercion manipulation etc but because it's on the boundary outside of the me the subconscious boundary it's projected onto the most visible object that i'm interacting with sophie which happens to be sophie (laughs) and Sophie then is seen as being highly critical, highly manipulative, and all of these stories arise. But because it is not owned by my con, my consciousness rejects that I could possibly like have those feelings or thoughts or anything anymore. They are on the outside. They get they have to be painted onto something because there has to be a source, mm-hmm. right? It's like an optical illusion, right? Your brain paints in the blank spots with whatever it thinks should be there. Mm-hmm. So when you start to hear thoughts, feelings, and emotions that come. From this disowned part of yourself, which you say, no, that can could not possibly be me. I'm a good person. I don't have those thoughts, feelings, or emotions. The brain's like, oh, well, those must be from it. 
Mm-hmm. And it equals Sophie in this case. Because Sophie just happens to be the one around. So this could be like, and and this is, you know, something that can happen with like your boss, with your parents. Like it doesn't have to be your partner. It's literally whatever it is in your environment at that time when these feelings and are arising. Yeah, Ken Wilber talks about the study that they did on um, uh, these really high-level spiritual uh, religious types who crusaded against gay gays and gay rights, mm-hmm. and they actually did a subconscious psychological test on like literally all of them and found that they had latent disowned gay tendencies. Mm-hmm. So they were literally shadow boxing. They hated that part of themselves and they disowned it and then painted it on the world around them and fought against it. Mm-hmm. We can also see this from like a psychological, um, and I don't want to say a more modern because Ken Wilber is very, very modern, but from a less Buddhist technology perspective, you know, in my psychology degree, we talk a lot about how humans expect their environment to react in the same way that they themselves know that they would subconsciously react. So if there's a little piece of you that knows that you would, if you were to behave this way, it would be because you were trying to manipulate someone. Therefore, that person must, must be, be trying to manipulate someone because the external world must be a ref- the same as my internal world. And so we paint those projections onto our environment. That's a really good simplification of, of what's going on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for me, um, the way that this was showing up in in my life, which I think is going to resonate with a lot of the the spiritual women. And I kind of prefaced this a little bit earlier is, you know, on my spiritual journey, I've gone through many, many, um, let me back up actually a little bit here. So my, my family and my state is one that holds a lot of anger. My body, my family has a really interesting relationship with the emotion of anger. And I grew up around it a lot and, um, it used to consume me. Like fully and completely and totally, completely consumed me. Um, And that was just very normal in my family for you to be like consumed by rage. That was a very common way of being. And once I hit my, you know, late teens, early 20s, I started to observe that this was like not ideal. (laughs) This was not an ideal way to go around the world. And I didn't really like that piece of myself. But I didn't yet have spiritual technologies. I didn't have meditative technologies. So I, but I did have professional development. And so I really started like really leaning heavily into professional development at the age of like 19, 20. And really what that turned into was me kind of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Compartmentalizing anger mm-hmm. and just, you know, developing a very not healthy relationship with pushing it away very consciously. And it took a lot of energy for me to push it away. Effectively making the same end result. Effectively making the same end result. Turning so, it into an it. Exactly. But doing it from not a spiritual place, doing it from, so it would always be like, oh, the other person's angry and, and the other person, it's their problem. And I journeyed that for, you know, a decade until my early 30s when I found spiritual and meditative technology. Now, what's interesting here is what happened for me is that I started to develop a new relationship with my emotions, started to like lean into them a little bit more. But um, a lot of spiritual teachers that I followed and people through human design would tell me all the time, like your purpose here is to feel really deeply and to allow those emotions to come through you. And you don't have any of your own emotions. You're always feeling the emotions of other people. You're like this clear transpersonal being that most of the emotions that you feel actually aren't truly yours. They are actually the feelings of your environment. 
And this felt very disempowering to me at the time because it basically was they were telling me, okay, well, you can't go out in public if you're not guarding yourself and you're basically at the whims of everybody around you and the environment's going to dictate your emotions and there's nothing you can do about it. And it felt that felt really scary to me. It's also a bit of a trap. It's totally a trap. And so I always it, it never really sat well with me. But, you know, I had been spending the last few months trying to um, trying to embody it. Right. Like really, since we left Costa Rica is when I, I've been spending the last few months really trying to, like, embody this idea that, OK, maybe my emotions aren't mine. And if they weren't mine, what would that look like? And how would I work with that? And, you know, as we've told you guys in previous podcasts, we always try stuff on, even if it doesn't necessarily feel 100 percent. And then we try to explore. Does this fit for me? So basically you were saying, OK, these emotions are arising but they're not mine, so they're going on the other side of that boundary, and they're becoming its exactly. or theirs. Exactly. And that basically takes away any power to do anything with them. Exactly, and that's why it was feeling very disempowering to me, because I was basically like, what, you're just like this open wound, and like if you're going to go out in public, like the waitress being a bitch to you could mean that like, okay, now I've got this angry energy, and there's nothing I can do about it, and it's not even yeah, mine, and I can't protect myself. That's and a terrible fucking meme. <laughs> it, it is. It really is. And it's one that, like, that's the first time that I had experienced it for myself, but I hear so many, mostly women, honestly, in the spiritual community that have this story of, like, I'm so sensitive that I can't go out in public. Well, and now, to be clear, we're not saying that you aren't sensitive mm -hmm. and that you don't pick up on emotions. No. Absolutely not. No. No, there's there's a an end solution here. There, the end the end game is ownership. Yeah. Once it enters the boundary of me, that there needs to be ownership. I think that's the that's the solution. Yeah. And so the way that this was starting to reflect in our relationship is that anger would arise. Actually, it doesn't even matter if it's in me or in you. Right. But there would be anger arising within our relationship, and I would say because now I had this excuse. Right. I had this story of, well, these emotions, any emotion that I feel is not mine. So it would instantly get projected onto Sian as like, well, why are you feeling anger? And then that would make him angry. And well, then I would get angry. It would, it would be really fucking confusing because I would be like, you know, reading a book or something. <laughs> yeah. And like sometimes it was accurate. Sometimes it was accurate. And I could, I could sense that there was some repressed anger that you were picking up on. And I was like, okay, yeah. But like other times I'm like, like, I'm. I'm good. Like, what is going on right now? And mm -hmm. then we just get into it because I'd try to like defend. I'd be like, no, no, you're wrong. And, you know, as all of you know, when your partner comes to you with a thing, just to like deflect it and say you're wrong, even if it's accurate, is not the way to go about things. <laughs> it's not ideal. <laughs> but you can see how that would also trigger my criticisms sort of thing, right? Yeah. Oh, you're, you're saying I'm angry without me being angry. This must be manipulation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can see how these patterns beautifully play off of each other. And this is the thing to watch for when you're in relationship with anyone. And not necessarily romantic relationship, right? Like, Everybody has these nicely paired traumas, whether it's you and your boss or you and your mom or you and your partner or you and your sister or you and your best friend. Everybody's got these nicely paired traumas that are going to play and dance off of each other like this until you can see them and transcend them. Traumas and shadows. Traumas and shadows. Absolutely. They're like magnets for each other, right? Yeah. And so for me, what that meant is, as Cian kind of mentioned, is learning to evolve into the state of ownership. Because here's the thing, you guys, this is how you take your power back. Mm -hmm. Like. Yes, I am sensitive AF. And yes, when the waitress is in a bad mood, I can feel it. And yes, nine times out of 10, when Cian's angry, I can feel it. But I also have to recognize that there is also anger inside of me, that I also have my own emotions. And regardless, this is the key, 
regardless of where the emotions come from, where the energy comes from, once you have recognized it, it is your responsibility to transmute it. And that is the piece that all of the neo-spirituality has missed. They've it's just bypassing like, it. You're just bypassing it. Oh, it's just not mine. Oh, it's just not mine. Okay, just go hide in a house and like make sure like don't go out without saging and gritting and blocking and blah, 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 blah. And God, guys, that's exhausting. Who wants to live like that? And disempowering. Well, yeah, because you're that's how you're taking your power back. You're now, taking your power back by gritting and saging and blah, 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 well, blah. Well, yeah, and, and, the, and the hermetics, like they talk about, you know, like the fact that like, yeah, people are swayed by emotion. Yeah. other emotions of others all the time like that's literally how the world works guys yeah people use their emotions and project them into you and make you behave in a certain way this is this is how the world works mm -hmm. but not recognizing that those emotions have been projected into you and they are now yours is yeah. a is the problem that disempowers you as soon as they're in you they're yours yes. as soon as you can feel them they are your gift to work with, even if they came from the waitress or from your spouse or from your boss or whatever. Once they're in you, this is the work of the alchemist, you guys. It's your job to transmute them. And that is a fucking gift to humanity. Right. And so so Ken was talking about this and he's saying, yeah, you know, like most religions, Buddhism included, don't really do a good job like addressing this mm -hmm. because they only they only focus on like the meditative technology and like the transcendence. Right. And this would be transcendence with exclusion. Right. I'm going to transcend my old self, but now it's no longer part of me. It's an it, which is that's the pathological form. And he talks about transcendence with inclusion, where you include that part of yourself. You hold that little child or that teenager or that asshole in your arms. You're like, okay, you know, I love you and, and let's change together. And, you know, you're not me, but you're part of me and you're here and I'm going to like deal with you. And you know what? Like Buddhism absolutely deals with that, but it deals with it at a different level. Mm -hmm. um, it has something called the bodhicitta. And what is the bodhicitta? The bodhicitta is, is the is the mind of a um, a divine being, almost right. It's it's the mind that's compassionate. It's the mind that includes all beings, right? Um, uh, for now, until the end of time, I will you know strive to reduce the suffering of all beings mm -hmm. right that sort of thing and what and what that actually does that's like the first context that you set mm -hmm. right that's the starting point before you start meditating is you include all beings what what does that do with the me with that in, invisible boundary it expands it expands to include all everything everything everyone everything every being now, why would that be important once you start disassociating from the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that arise inside of you? Well, it's removing the opportunity for an it. And a, and a bypassing. Mm -hmm. It removes the opportunity to bypass. It's like, oh, whatever comes into my house is a welcome guest. Mm -hmm. You know, and even if that guest shall turn my house upside down, I shall welcome it and I'll, and gracefully allow it to stay until it goes. And we think that means like very literally, like if a jerk comes into your house and literally turns the house upside down, but it also means energies, emotions, like your house being you, if it's a negative emotion were to come into you, your being, 
you welcome it and you work with it. You don't push it away and say, Ugh, that's your anger. This is your trauma. This is your like, that's bypassing. This is your sexuality. This is yeah. your sluttiness, like whatever. Cause we see this shadow boxing a lot mm-hmm. in sexuality mm-hmm. spaces. So, so much because we have such a, we're so bent out of shape around sexuality. Anyways, that's a different episode, but it's the externalization of phenomena and saying, Oh no, I'm just, I'm just this I'm just tiny this quiet, little, perfect little being. I'm just right? like this little translucent unicorn. <laughs> so, so actually like the focus on the me and shrinking the me to like only include what you agree with is, is the pathology of narcissistic, self-centered, egocentric mindset, mm-hmm. right? And that's the pathology that Buddhism addresses directly is like, hey, listen, you're actually creating more suffering for yourself because you're shrinking your me down to like this little tiny nugget of nothing. Mm-hmm. And you're externalizing all of the things that you hate about yourself, which basically gives you no power to control them. And then you project them on the world around you. And that makes a really shitty world to live in. Mm-hmm. Why Why do you keep punching yourself in the face like that? And you guys know, like everything that we're here to share with you is, is not about you becoming smaller, but you stepping into your bigness. Your power. You stepping into your power and expanding. And we don't mean that from like, you know, scenes like Machiavelli nonsense. No. <laughs> we, we mean this from like the true divine sense. You stepping into the true truth of your divine power, which means you're here to care for everything that is part of your environment, which whether that is like the stray cat or the bad energy or the good energy or whatever. Yeah. In, in our, tw- our, our um, entry level, like foundations of magic course, the 21 days to up level your reality, we talk about the solar consciousness and the lunar consciousness and the solar being that I, mm-hmm. right? And the lunar being the me and the it together, together, Right. And like looking at like that, we actually call it the inner kingdom and Mm -hmm. in some parts of it, but like that whole inner kingdom that is in front of you, your thoughts, feelings, emotions, your body, all your your sensations, all your little traumas, all of the people that you, that you can experience every part of this reality that you're part of, all of that is yours. Right. And when you expand yourself to include everything and to be responsible for everything that happens in your field, man, that that sounds like total responsibility and total mm-hmm. freedom to change anything. And you guys hear us talk about this all always with great power comes great responsibility. And it's so, so, so true, because as soon as you accept that everything in the space is mine. Then as Cian said, everything in the space is my responsibility. It is all my kingdom. These are all my subjects. And it's up to me to be the benevolent king or queen, depending on which type of crown you like to wear. Um, and, and to treat these people, these beings, benevolently and these to help subjects. them, these subjects, and, and to help them evolve, to help them be happy, to help them alchemize. And I do that by alchemizing their energy on their behalf. Yeah. And and like this this is this is the core of it all right is is getting to that mindset where you take ownership of everything and it starts like you you, you obviously it takes time right you, you can't expand it all at once and become cosmocentric instead of egocentric right like mm-hmm. you start with egocentric then you go to ethnocentric then you go to like world centric and then cosmos like you're, you're the boundary of me expands slowly mm-hmm. But you got to start with everything that actually arises in me, in, in me right? Yeah. And 
you guys probably heard one of our episodes a while back with like flies and rats and like all of these things happening in the external environment. That was our episode about um, leaving Costa Rica. Yeah. And, you know, so you can see how we are like we make decisions, right? And we're looking at the external environment to find a reflection from inside of us, right? That's what this is, is expanding your understanding that the environment that you're in is a reflection of you. Mm-hmm. And so when you start asking, oh, well, why is this arising? What what inside of me is trying to communicate with me? What is bringing this phenomena about? How have I magnetized this situation into my reality? When you start interacting with the environment, including your internal environment, like that, from that position, that's how you change your relationship in a healthy way and begin to have the power to change everything inside your reality. So let us know, where are you going to start? Let us know on Instagram at Zen Mind Hacker, at Queen Sophie Ma. Um, how did this land for you? And what, what beings in your, what subjects in your kingdom are you going to start with? We'll see you in the next episode. We are so grateful that you decided to hit play on today's episode. If anything in this episode has inspired you or helped you transform your life, make sure to let others know by sharing a review on Spotify or iTunes so we can keep our community growing. We absolutely adore giving away free gifts. Send us a screenshot of your review to team at theprism.org to receive a special meditation from us as a gift of gratitude. We absolutely cannot wait to connect with you in the next episode. Between now and then, don't forget to visit our website at theprism.org. And remember, the goal is always in you.